And so we sort of left money on the table, but we learned an important lesson, which was make sure that you have variety for folks and also the importance of us getting people into the bottle. Hi, folks. Thanks for tuning into the Food Startups Podcast. I am your host, Hema Reddy. On this show, we talk about some incredible journeys, the hurdles, the breakthroughs, the failures, and successes that shape the present and future of the food and beverage industry. So stick around for some exciting and insightful conversations. Hello and welcome everyone. On this episode, I have a chat with Dawn Morton, founder and CEO of Shrub District. What I loved about their products is aside from their year-round sours and syrups, they have a focus on some product lines based on purely seasonal ingredients. That I found is uh, admirable. Don is a bartender, a wine nerd, and after 10 years in public policy, he decided to get back to his true love for wine and spirits. He talks about key lessons, and I loved how grounded he is with his strategic thinking and execution plans for his business. So let's get right to it. Episode number 166 of the Food Startups Podcast. All right. So, Dawn Morton, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Hima. Thanks for having us. Of course, absolutely. Well, after I had the old-fashioned cocktail from the sample that you sent, there was no way I could resist it. So, <laughs> this was time coming. It's like love at first sip, right? Absolutely. Well, for me, it was second sip. So, for the listeners, we're lucky to have Dawn Morton. He's a prior bartender, a trained wine nerd. So I did not realize there's something called a Wine and Spirit Education Trust. He's WSET trained wine nerd, and I'll ask you about that in a minute. And you also like to call yourself fermentation enthusiast. I also want to ask you about that <laughs> as we are going into the show. But you launched Shrub District about three years ago in February 2016. So you know, I've had a couple years with the startup. And we're so excited to hear from you from all aspects. It's the age of mixers and a lot of good for you innovation that's going on in this category. So I want to start with asking you, tell us more about your journey into becoming a bartender and then following on to becoming WSED trained, because I believe that has some effect into the genesis of Shrub District. Absolutely. Well, it's funny because it all happened sort of backwards for me. When my wife and I met in Italy, we were studying abroad in college. And what happened was I sort of fell in love with this notion that beverages come from a discrete place. And we see this a lot in the wine world with the conversation about terroir and place and microclimates. But it also applies to the spirits world. And so I was seeing all these different Amaro, the bitter liqueurs from all over Italy, and they all have different expressions coming from different little towns. And so when I came back to the States, I was like, this is what I want to do. I fell in love with wine and spirits, and I wanted to basically celebrate and share this knowledge that I was acquiring. So I started studying because that's sort of what I know. My parents are PhDs. So it's like, oh, what do you do? You go study. The Wine Spirits Education Trust is a great organization based out of England. And basically there, while the sommelier, the quartermaster sommeliers is the service side of the industry, 
the Wine Spirits Education Trust is building towards the Master of Wine, which is sort of an education wine study side of things. So that's what I started training my palate and learning a lot more about wine. And yet at the same time, sort of life got in the way and my wife was working nine to five and was like, "Ah, if I want to see her, I got to also do that. So I pursued a career in public policy for about 10 years. Here in DC, I worked all over the place. I worked at the State Department. I worked on Capitol Hill. I worked at trade associations. I was a speechwriter for a little bit. Sort of all the jobs that I wanted to give back and make the world a better place and try to help. And then fast forward 10 years and my love of beverage hasn't changed. So I had been bartending on the side while pursuing my policy career. And I got to a point where I was like, look, I just got to do this. I'm not going to be happy if I am not in the beverage world. And I like to build things. I like to create stuff. So I started working on Shrub District. And in just a few short months, we were on the shelves making product. And the rest is, as they say, history. Wow. The fascinating part is you pursued a completely different career, public policy. You're in DC. And at some point, the passion, the inner love for wine, for spirits, just never dies in you. It just just says something so profoundly about the fact that you get one life and understanding and hearing that inner voice and following that through and actually doing something about it is just commendable because it's not everybody's cup of tea to take a dream, take a passion and bring it to the market and actually make it taste good. (laughs) Yeah, it's challenging. I mean, in so many different ways. And the way I look at it is not necessarily, oh, I wish I'd done this sooner, though sometimes I do. It's more that I see the path that I was on preparing me for a lot of the vagaries and the challenges that I faced as an entrepreneur, whether it was learning the internal politics of how to get what you want out of a congressional office or speech writing and crafting a message for the public. I mean, a lot of that stuff is exactly what we do as a brand. It's not necessarily the production food side of things, and that's hard, but it's all stuff you can learn. Yeah. And I actually want to drill down into that because as a food startup or startup owners, people in the key leadership positions for a CPG startup, it is not easy. I mean, it may look fun from when you look at the bottle, when you look at the packaging, but there is so many hard, difficult decisions to make. There is so many challenges to cross over. What was your hardest challenge in making Shrub District a reality? Was there ever a point when you were like, DC and Capitol Hill is way easier than what I'm doing right now? I mean, I think giving up the paycheck is the hardest thing. Embracing the uncertainty For me, it was always, oh, you get a salary and then you go home at the end of the day. And that's when I would go work on the beverage side and we would make all these tinctures and orange bitters and shrubs and tonic syrups and stuff for the home bar as a way of release or as a project. Applying it to the day job is a little different and you have to give up that safety of like every two weeks you're going to get paid a set amount of money and yada yada. But the reward, of course, is one, the upside and two, being able to see I look back over just six months and how much we've grown and the impact that I'm having on the people who work at Shrub District and who are creating or getting value out of the stuff that we're making. And then the customer side is just, we do a bunch of farmer's markets and stuff like that. It's just so much fun to engage with people and see how they're using product and what their favorites are and all that kind of stuff. And did you get any early feedback? What was your routes to market? What was your 
kind of a launch plan looking like when you finally had cracked down the recipe for the mixers or the vinegars? From that point, how would you say, looking back, what was the most crucial method that worked for you or the experience that said that, okay, we've got something here? Well, to be honest, it was winning over my wife. She <laughs> had an excellent palate. And she's the primary audience that I had always made drinks for. Obviously, you get feedback from friends and stuff like that. There's sort of a graduated step. So we make two product lines. We have our shrub district line, which are cocktail vinegars, aka shrubs, vinegar-based fruit syrups. We use fresh fruit, herbs, and spices and extract those in a vinegar medium and then balance out so that we have a perfect clarified shelf-stable bar sour. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the sour side of the bar. And then our Don's Classics, we launched more recently, which are classic cocktails in a bottle, half ounce of Don's, two ounces of spirit, and you have a perfect mint julep, old-fashioned Sazerac, etc. So for me, it was obviously there's the tinkering side. It's refining the recipes in the kitchen, batch after batch, little tweaks, making sure we have it right before we scale. Mm-hmm. But then you have to test the market. So we have to sell, Right. Are people going to buy this product, not just my friends and family, but like total strangers? So we put ourselves in a position where we wanted to just do a launch event. So the goal all along was like, just get to launch, have the product in its packaging, taste it for people, make drinks. Will people buy? So we had this fun event at one of our kitchens, our first kitchen called Ramen World. We had a bunch of ramen producers come into the kitchen and set up shop and a bunch of tasting. And we started, we made cocktails and we sold bottles and the response was just fantastic. And it taught me a really important lesson because we had launched with our first flavor, which was strawberry dill, which we do as a seasonal in the spring. And people, we had our our just grapefruit sort of ready, but not packaged. And so everybody who bought was like, oh, I would buy the grapefruit too. And so we sort of left money on the table, but we learned an important lesson, which was make sure that you have variety for folks and also the importance of us getting people into the bottle because shrub, while it's a growing thing and people are becoming more familiar with acetic acid and sort of the tart side vinegar flavors as a beverage, our approach is very different. It's very fruit forward and very cocktail focused. And so it was really important for us to just get people in the bottle. You got me for sure. So I was referring to this earlier. I love a good old fashioned. And in order to make that, you need a few ingredients. So I'm very big on having the right cherry. I'm big on having the right bitters. And the fresh orange is a must for me. <laughs> <laughs> so when I did sample the old fashioned, you just talked about a sour versus the, the vinegar, right? Yep. So would you call the Dawn's Old Fashioned that we have on your website or you have on your website right now, that would be in the vinegar category? No. So that's why we launched it under a separate brand under the Dawn's Classics, sort of what we're calling them. Basically classic cocktail in a bottle, but more complex than you expect. As a bartender, my whole goal is really to capture all the complexity that we do behind the bar, all the process, all the steps, so that we can take a bottle of our Don's Classics, which use a little vinegar in their production, but we're mostly using that vinegar to extract aromatics from the botanicals so that we can really get expressed bitter flavors or the aromatic spices that we use in our old fashioned, which are cardamom, clove, allspice, nutmeg, really like nice developed flavors which you're not really going to get from an Angostura 
style bitters, sort of softer, but is sort of the common go-to. So what we're trying to do is really say, look, this drink can be a lot more interesting, but it can also be really easy. And we go camping all the time. And so one of the first inspirations for this was like, okay, let's put an old fashioned in a bottle so that when we go camping, we take a bottle of bourbon or a bottle of rye and a bottle of our old fashioned. We can make old fashions around the fire or better yet, just combine them in an algae and then you're ready to go. I loved it. I love the taste. The first sip was a surprise because like I said, it's a habit breaking kind of cocktail, right? Mm-hmm. From the usual way that you make a cocktail. And second sip, I was already in love. So you definitely made, I mean, a lot of times I would not make the cocktail. I just go for a beer instead because I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go slice an orange and get the sugar cube ready. It's a whole lot of steps. Exactly. That's why we've approached this line. You know, the three drinks we've focused on, the Sazerac, the Old Fashioned, and the Mint Julep. I mean, these are three drinks that, one, are classics for a reason because they're delicious Mm -hmm. and they're just perfect combinations. But they're kind of annoying to make and they're really annoying to make for a large number of people. So if Mm -hmm. we can basically, I think about a lot of this notion of banking time We're all so busy. How do we bank time a little bit? How do we do some prep work that can get us ahead so that when folks knock on your door and you say, hey, we're here for dinner, you're not rushing around and doing all this catch up. Instead, you're prepared. You're ready. You've got it all set. And that's sort of how we approach the mixer space, which is we're putting time in a bottle for you so that you can make a batch of old fashions for a group of folks who drop by for dinner impromptu, you don't have to be stressed about it. And we can elevate our beverage game instead of just offering a cold beer, which is, I love a cold beer, but sometimes we want a cocktail and cocktails should be as approachable and easy yet high quality as the beers and the wines we drink. Would you say, do you have a competitor in the space? Is there anybody else doing what you're doing with here? There are a lot of folks out there who are trying to do the cocktail in a bottle thing One of the things that always got me was I was never satisfied with the kinds of commercial products on the market. It took me about three years to develop the old fashioned in a way that I was really proud of. And I think the sales are testament to that. We launched in September and it just, I couldn't keep it in stock. We were doing batches every week leading up to the holidays. And that approach to quality and flavor has really extended to the rest of our products. Thinking about shrub in the same way. I'm always the guy who's like, oh, new products on the market. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to try it out. So maybe I don't have to make this at home before I launch the company. And that motivation is still there with me, which is what's missing in the cocktail space. What are things that bartenders make because they want to, because they need that quality, but there's no real reason for because it's 2018 and you shouldn't have to make shrubs in-house at your bar And it's fun to do, and that's do it once, but from an economic standpoint, like, let's scale it up. Let's make shrub, for instance, a common ingredient at any bar where people say, I'll have a gin shrub highball, and that's an acceptable bar order at any bar. And how is your distribution strategy looking like? Here you have great product line, great purpose behind it to provide a clean better for you alternative, and as well as making it easier for you to make, to spin up a cocktail within a minute. How do you see yourself growing and scaling the company? Distribution for everybody is hard. You have to find the right partner. We've been fortunate to have a really great distributor in our core market, DC through 
Delaware that really gets the product and gets product in the hands of really great bartenders and great retailers in our region. As we scale, we're thinking about strategies for other regions, and we have different types of buyers that we sell to. I mean, it's interesting because Shrub District as a company has sort of the one foot in the grocery gourmet space and then the other foot in the bar. And so our goal is really to find partners who get their sector of the market, and then we can help them drive sales in a variety of ways, whether it's, say, distributing craft spirits, okay, how do we sell more craft spirits? One of the things we care a lot about is the craft spirit movement and how we can support it. There are all these great folks who are risking far more than money and capital and time and effort than I am opening distilleries and laying down craft whiskeys all over the country and all that kind of stuff. How do we get folks to buy more of that stuff? And more importantly, when they buy it, drink it so that you have to go back and buy more. And that's sort of where we see our role Distribution is super important. It's hard. It's something we struggle with. But our trajectory is fantastic. And everybody we've worked with makes a ton of money. And that's really the key. Yep. And right now you're predominantly mostly in Northeast, right? Yeah, we sell from New Orleans to New York. And we're starting to do a little West Coast stuff. But it's mostly connections and small nodes here and there. Our focus is really building out that distribution in the Mid-Atlantic, trying to get that Florida to Maine spread. We're focusing a lot of time and energy on New York and Philadelphia, which are obviously close markets to us. And we've had a lot of success there. We're also trying not to outpace our growth capacity because we are a producer. We don't use co-packers. We make every bottle of Shrub and Don's Classics ourselves in our kitchens in DC. So it is a ladder effect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We have a lot more capacity now than we ever have before, and we're prepared to scale but we obviously don't want to neglect the customers that brought us here. So we want to make sure that they always have access to product. And that is one of the most important things for me. We do four seasonal flavors and it's kind of like wine. I mean, we get one month basically to produce those flavors every year. So projecting demand is a challenge and it's a challenge that's a lot of fun for us because we get to look into the future and see where we're going. But it's also something that's really important from a warehousing production standpoint. Gotcha. You do sell them online. So do you ship across the country? If people in the South wanted to get some shrub, can they order it and get it? Absolutely. Yeah. Shrubdistrict.com. You can buy three bottles. We sell eight ounce bottles for the shrubs that makes eight to 16 drinks. And then we sell our Don's Classics also in an eight ounce bottle which is really designed to batch and pair with a full 750 of spirit. So you can pour a bottle of Don's and a bottle of bourbon into a punch bowl or a pitcher and you have enough for a party and that's really fun. But you can buy those eight ounce bottles. We do $6 shipping in the continental US for three bottles and free shipping on six bottles. We've figured out that logistics system and it's fun to get product in hands of drinkers all over the country. So drinkable vinegars is a hot trend. I am sure you know that. It's, I mean, at Expo West, it's just any industry report that you see about what's trending in CPG, vinegars is really coming back with a full force. Do you see yourself making a full drinkable vinegar at some point? Yeah, we've talked about doing a ready-to-drink side of the business. We could go one of two ways. Either we actually sell in our local market, we sell what we call shrubbles, which are shrub with bubbles. That's funny. I love it. A trademark. Thank you. And then we also sell our shrub aid, which is a diluted shrub ready to drink 10 ounce in a bottle. We do a strawberry lemonade and a cranberry limeade and 
sort of expressing those shrub flavors really nicely in a ready-to-drink package. We haven't launched it to scale yet, mostly because we don't have the warehouse space. And we're watching the space carefully. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in the kombucha market. As that develops, it's getting a lot more folks who are now familiar with the acetic acid flavors. And so our shrubs pair really nicely in that regard. So we'll see how it develops. It is, I wouldn't say I'm reluctant to go full bore on that, but it's certainly not the bar business that I envision, right? I mean, we're a cocktail company. As we go ready to drink, sort of a different application. It's a different kind of customer. So it's something we weigh and consider. Everything changes. Your buyers, I mean, your supply chain, distribution, everything changes when you switch categories or when you increase it. So I can totally see why you want to maximize your existing presence and the shelf that you are already on before branching out to other parallel categories. And the one thing I'll say is, as I know there are other entrepreneurs out there listening to this podcast, we would love to find a partner who wants to take on that side of the business and we would just sell shrub in bulk and do it that way because it's just a totally different animal. And so you need somebody who's committed to the grocery space, who's committed to the corner store, 7-Eleven bodega space. And I think it could be super fun. We'll see where it develops. We may do it in-house sooner rather than later. Gotcha. Okay. So now I have a few rapid fire sort of questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. The biggest lesson learned. Start small, but start. We are always taught like manage to marginal cost, right? So you want to get your marginal cost as low as possible when you're making products. That's true to an extent, but you also need to make sure whatever you're purchasing fits. I remember we got a lot of cardboard packaging this one time and I was like, and we're still bleeding through it. And it was sort of the biggest like single decision mistake I ever made was buying at that kind of scale rather than saying, okay, let's see if this works out for us before we commit. But that being said, don't let those decisions get in the way because once you make them, you just got to go, right? Right. Get to market. The more you're on the market, the more things snowball, the sooner you start, the better. The most valuable piece of advice you got that was a game changer for you? That's a good question. I would say the most valuable piece of advice that I've ever gotten was you can't do it on your own. And that's really proven to be true for myself. As I've built my company, we need employees who are fully bought into the vision. We need like my wife, who's got to support the vision and not get tired of us doing seven days a week and working our butts off. We need that network of other producers, other entrepreneurs out there to get advice from. Even our competitors are important. It's important for us to get inspiration, to challenge what we're doing, to continually improve. And so that's advice that you hear a lot. I think it rings really true. It's certainly been true for me. You can't do it on your own. Don't try to do it on your own. Don't close yourself off to other people, even though you may be stressed, even though you may be wondering whether it's gonna, all going to work. Without that community of support, it definitely won't. The two sentences that you would tell if you had the right investor standing across from you as to why they should invest in your company. We make the best bar products you can find anywhere. Bartenders know that. It's why we're in the hands of great bartenders all across the country, from the coolest bars in DC and Baltimore to Michelin-starred restaurants in New York. Your favorite book? 
There's a book by Haruki Murakami called The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle, which I read at a really important time in this business development. And one of the central themes that Murakami talks about a lot is waiting. The main character, the protagonist in this book is sort of, he's in a limbo period and he's kind of waiting for something to happen. And I think it's instructive to watch other folks struggle with that aspect of life, which is just something we all go through. There are periods in life where you're waiting. You're waiting to see something develop. You're waiting for your business aspirations to come to fruition. And waiting doesn't necessarily mean not taking action, but it means being patient and present and watching where things go and waiting for your opportunity. And I think for business for entrepreneurs, it's such an important lesson because you just, you have to be present and be prepared and wait for sort of the pitch that comes in because that's the pitch you got to hit. Yeah. I love that, by the way. It is the hardest thing to do too, especially when you're anxious to get moving and you want to go forward, but to pace yourself and position yourself for success and minimize risks is just easier said than done. But those who do it always see the fruits of that patience. Absolutely. I mean, you look at all the best, biggest, most buzzworthy companies, and it's tempting to say, oh, they just exploded onto the scene. But that's Mm -hmm. not true. There's all this hard work that goes in behind it. There's all this struggle. There's all this heartache. There's periods where you didn't think you were going to make it. I mean, I think the best companies are built one brick at a time and one person at a time. And that's sort of our approach is we care so much about quality of product. And it's really the thing we hang our hat on. And then we let the art and the people drive the brand. Absolutely. I love that. And it comes across in everything that you're saying today, you're sharing with our listeners, the deep rooted love you have for the art of cocktail making, the dedication that you have to make it easier for consumers to make their own cocktail, and the grounded way of thinking And positioning yourself, you have to pace yourself. And I'm sure it'll position you for success in the near term and the long term, because it just seems like you have a good handle on how you want to grow, what you want to provide, the difference that you want to make in in people's lives. So I am very excited for you to see how you grow and how the next few years look like for you. Well, thank you, Nima. Yeah. I do want to ask you, how are those next few years looking for you? Do you want to share with our listeners as to What can they expect now as to the next three to five years for Shrub District? Absolutely. Well, obviously, we're focused very seasonally, laying down products. So in the immediate sense, we're getting our first run of strawberry dill in from local berries that are coming next week from one of our farm partners in nearby Maryland. We're very excited about that. So we'll be running strawberry dill, blueberry basil, apple nutmeg, and cranberry juniper over the next couple months, really taking advantage of the harvest and the seasons. So we focus a lot about that. And I think it's been important for me because it roots us in the changing seasons, which is something that I think we all need to pay a little more attention to. But from a business standpoint, we're super excited to grow our online space. We're making it easier and easier for folks to buy bottles and get them shipped directly to their house. We understand customers want convenience and we're offering it in a variety of different ways, whether it's obviously great craft cocktail mixers sent to your door. But also we have a ton of recipes on our website that we're developing out. And we're always working with new bartenders who see our products as a way to expand the tools that are available to them and reduce the cost and labor of prepping for new bar shifts. 
So to that extent, we're going to expand the Don's Classics line into some ingredients that I wish were more available when I was bartending, in particular oleosaccharums, which are basically citrus peel oil. So we'll extract those oils out of organic citrus peels, and then we'll offer those um, to set for sale to bartenders, which would be really exciting because they add so much complexity to drinks using that as the sweetener rather than a, a plain, simple syrup. We use an orange oleosaccharum and a lemon oleosaccharum in our Old Fashioned and Sazerac, respectively. So as we scale, we're looking to make sure we continue to be sustainable and that we use all the products that come in through our doors, all the fruit in all the ways possible, and return that stuff to the bar. I really want to highlight that fact again, based on what you shared and your product portfolio, that it's seasonal. I mean, I want to repeat that it's seasonal, which is really admirable because usually you see chefs talking about this. Usually you talk, you see like these produce delivering companies talk about giving you the right produce, but you're a company that's the mission and the DNA is built on making use of what's available in a season to decide your inventory, to decide what you're selling in the market, which is truly exceptional. So kudos on that. Well, it has been wonderful chatting with you. And I'm sure there's so much value that you have shared in building a company, setting the mission, growing it in the way that is still in line with your overall vision of the company and just keeping it all together. And this is just so exciting, following your passion into a reality, sharing it with consumers, and overall, most importantly, bringing us something that we can use right away and bringing an easier cocktail into our lives. So thank you for all of that. Well, you're quite welcome. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. We're just excited to share better drinks all over the country. And you can find us at Shrub District on Instagram, Twitter, and at shrubdistrict.com if you want to buy or try. Again, it's been a pleasure being here. And I really admire what you're doing, trying to get perspective on business startups, launching new ventures. It's really, really tough something that we try to support here in our local community in DC, supporting young entrepreneurs who are looking to create real value and create something out of nothing. And there's nothing more inspiring or American than that. Absolutely. Hey, you have a great year ahead and may the best of luck follow Shrub District. If you found value in what you just heard, take a couple of minutes and subscribe to our channel. Even better, show us some love and leave a review on iTunes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Join the mailing list on our website so you can get notified of new episodes and learn how to build and grow your CPG business.